I'm self-isolating on a different continent with crappy internet. So, so you're, how many more days do you have left for self-isolation? Um, so I need to actually look at the paper, um, that I got when I got here. Um, I think it's 10 days total and that's what I'm planning to do. Um, and that will mean Sunday I can leave self-isolation, but let me just tell you a quick little story because it's, it's pretty crazy and pretty funny. Um, Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm here with my folks in Croatia. Um, uh, they have a house, uh, by the coast, uh, in town of Zadar. And so we're here, basically, I'm here to spend some time with them. And, um, also to, you know, as COVID sort of bites, uh, across the globe before the vaccine does its thing, um, you know, there'll probably be lockdowns and stuff like that. And there's a yard here. So that's nice. So anyway, uh, yeah, supposed to have, you know, however, 10 days or whatever. Um, so I, I walk around the yard. I have, a, you know, a guest bedroom here that doesn't attach to the house. You know, I mean, it's attached to the house, but I don't, I don't go into the house. Um, and so, you know, I, I walk in the yard and I, I, I'm basically in this room. And then today I'm, I'm walking in the yard and I have my phone out and it's dusk and there's, um, it's already pretty dark, but there's a little bit of light still in the sky. And so I'm like, oh man, I really want to take a photo of that. But there's sort of like a fence, you know, facing the the, the street. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, there's no time to go into the house and ask my parents for keys to get out. I'm just hop the fence. Like when I was a kid, I just like hop the fence and go outside. <laughs> so I start climbing over the fence. And as soon as I put my feet down, I'm still like holding onto the fence. I turn around and this cop car pulls up <laughs> and these two guys come out and they're like, uh, Mr. Damir Marusik, is that you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> They were checking on me. He's like, are you self-isolating? <laughs> they caught me hopping the fence and Whoa. leaving my house. <laughs> Just total coincidence that wow. I was, that I was, uh, but you know, they were doing their checkup. So anyway, uh, they take it that seriously, seriously enough that, you know, they have, uh, they know that they, on the border, they checked that I was, that I was, uh, you know, uh, that I was legit. I gave them my address and they followed up on me. Yeah. They're checking like, like that. It was the first time they've done so, it so in, the in, one, yeah. in nine days. It's the first time they've done it. Oh, um, just by chance that they caught you at that moment. And by chance, they caught me as I'm like jumping over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they it's were cool laughing. It's cool that they know your full name too, and they address you by your full name. Oh yeah, it's it's uh it's uh it's what so you, you like that you like that sort of when the, the state knows everything Which about just you. Which seems very efficient. I'm just surprised because I think from an American standpoint, that's anathema. The idea that the police would be like Mr. Shadi Hamid, right? Right. Like while I'm just like jumping in my neighborhood or whatever. In my own home. I mean, it wasn't my own neighborhood. It was literally my own home. I was escaping my home where I was, where I, where I've been socially isolated for the last nine days and literally just across the street to get a better shot of the sky. So I, I explained that to them and they were fine with it. It was just like a really funny, a funny moment. Cause I mean, what are the chances, right? Like they haven't checked yeah, on me and it's yeah. just, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So far, so good. Well, tell us about, do, do, do you want to tell us about Croatia and what the vibe is over there? Or do you think our readers don't care about Croatia or our listeners, yeah, I should say? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess they probably don't care. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, numbers are bad. I haven't gone to the uh, to trouble to try and figure out how bad per capita Croatian numbers are and what that. I mean, like, I can do that for you right now. Go ahead and do that. I mean, I, I wonder if we're worse off than say like North Dakota right now, because right North Dakota is peaking in the States. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. The 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 news okay. story last night was that again, and it's it, again, it's the sort of reality of COVID. It's not. It depends on the the unit of measurement that you're doing. I think probably like North Dakota and all of Croatia is a pretty good thing, but. Yeah, so, so the news yesterday, uh, I don't know how much they were trying to sort of scare people and where they, um, how, how uh, uh, because it all depends on how you slice and dice the numbers, but they said that one northern district somewhere in the country had the highest per capita um, cases of uh, anywhere in Europe. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I don't know what that means. Well, I'm looking at the New York Times chart right now. Croatia has the ninth highest per capita cases using daily average over the last seven days in the world. In so the world. number nine in the world. Hey, that's something. So it sort of goes like this. It's actually a somewhat surprising list. Um, Luxembourg, Montenegro, Georgia, Andorra, Austria, San Marino, Slovenia, Liechtenstein, naturally. And then Croatia is number nine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Good company. How, Let's where's see the U.S.? Cases. Where's the, the U.S. at this point? So in um, daily average cases, the U.S. is around 19th place. Yeah. So yeah. certainly better than Croatia. Certainly. I mean, well, so the other thing that happened, I mean, just to give you a sense of of how uh, how little control they have. Again, I, this, this has interesting echoes to sort of the debates that happened in the United States. Um, you know, Catholic country, uh, the church is actually pretty strong here. Um, no politician has dared, uh, from what I can tell, though some have now sort of started piping up, but no chance of possibly shutting down church service. Absolutely not. So that keeps going on, and uh, that's just a, a source of transmission. Um, and then uh, two days ago, I don't know, being in, in sort of isolation like this, you sort of lose sense of time. But there was a uh, uh, the anniversary of uh, the siege of Vukovar, which was this town in the north of Croatia that was besieged during the Yugoslav Wars, and it's very symbolic. It fell and was raised and lots of murders there. Um, but it's hmm. – it's, um, there was a celebration of the anniversary of that, and they planned for, I don't know what, like under 1,000 people for the official ceremony, 10,000 showed up, so they lost some control there. But worse than that, there were several sort of unplanned and unsanctioned uh, mass, mass, mass celebrations, you know, like uh, commemorations, just like tens of thousands of people packed in, no one's wearing masks. So you can imagine, like, we're, we're ninth in the world on, you know, per capita or whatever, and uh, and then you just have these like massive, massive things and like just no one's taking care. And it's wow. weird. Like people are going to cafes. I hear I haven't been to the town, so I, I haven't seen it. But like the cafes are doing well. People like are out. Um, and yet, you know, uh, it's bad. Like hospitals are, are I think, getting really stressed. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm looking also at per capita deaths and Croatia is, um, I think, around number 15 Again, well above the U.S. Um, in, the, in, in on that metric. So, um, I mean, that's like Croatia is small. So sometimes, like the per capita numbers can sort of be don't always uh, whatever. I mean, that's why say. that's why I think it's more interesting <laughs> to look at. I don't know what the total population of like North Dakota is, but it's probably yeah close yeah, to yeah, Croatia. North Dakota would be interesting, you know, to like to, to yeah. see what that looks like because that's what it is. I mean, we're just like a, a small little state, and the bigger sort of you know continent of europe and uh uh it's probably like a state to state comparison there is better but in any case how are you how's dc um it's fine i guess you know that i was um in a cabin in the middle of nowhere last week and i was trying to get 
some work done on my book, which I just started. So that was really nice to kind of just get away from it all. At, you know, while people were freaking out about the election and the coup, yeah, attempted coup, right, and all that, but that's still I was going able on. to kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was, I just, it was good to separate myself from all that. I, I have to say, I, I feel like a little bit exhausted. We've talked about this. I think I'm just I've I've lost some of my intellectual energy mm, mm. over the past two weeks. I just feel exhausted, yeah. almost as if I'm burning out. Finally, after like four years of this bullshit, but now working and that's on the why book feels good. Yeah, yeah, feels good to it like. Does so. Yeah, I've done eight thousand words nice. so far. Not bad. Yeah, so my uh, my writing regimen is a thousand words a day, four out of seven days a week. Pretty good. I think I lost you, Shadi. Uh, you're back. You said four days out of seven. Yeah, so I'm, uh, so I'm, a, I'm about where I should be. So if we do four, you know, four out of seven, a thousand uh, words per day, two weeks, that would be around eight thousand words. Mm. So what's I'm, the I'm what's okay. the what's the target? Maybe ninety thousand. Mm. And is it is it do you do you get up in the morning to do this? What's your what's your preferred time to write? Um, whenever really doesn't doesn't matter. I probably should focus on doing it in the morning, but. I'm spreading it out over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. And um I'm definitely losing uh um losing productivity as of late. I feel like I I started off really strong when I was in the cabin, but since I've been back in DC, I've been a little bit more distracted. Yeah. But I think that there's just more panic. Certainly there's been a shift in um in the atmosphere in terms of how people are talking about COVID where I think, you know, most people had quote unquote moved on and had decided to live their lives. I think now there's a return to this idea of self-isolation, not going out, not seeing many people, staying in your pod, or perhaps even not seeing anyone at all because people are leaving, obviously, for Thanksgiving in a few days or in a week or so. So, you know, people are making decisions accordingly. And I think, you know, some people are deciding that, hey, is it even a good... Uh, is it even a good idea to see one's parents or grandparents um, and uh, and all that? Which and I, and I don't think that was really predominant in the discourse um, until really just a week or two ago. But now you're starting to feel it that sense of that sense of urgency and that sense that the risk level is is significantly higher. Um, and even the testing lines are quite long now. So I went to. Um, one of the local DC testing sites and um, about a two hour wait was my, was my estimate. Hmm. Actually it wasn't my estimate. I mean, Rachel Rizzo went to get her test and she told me that it took her an hour to get halfway through the line. And then using my math skills, I then determined that that suggested that two hours was the total well, so, Total time so to I, wait. I, I have to get tested to come here, uh, you know, just to, on the border, they asked for a test. And, you know, even though my, my flight got messed up, so my test was actually out of date by the time I got to the border, which is partly why I think they were sending goons to check up on me. But um, the, uh, well, not goons, perfectly nice young police officers, nothing, <laughs> nothing goonish about them. Anyway, but the, the uh, I, I just went to my doctor, I scheduled an appointment. So there's no wait apart from just like regular doctor wait. Um, but I was actually, it's funny because I was, I was, uh, uh, texting with Rachel while she was on the line and she was like, Oh, you had the test. How horrible is it? Is it, is it, is it bad? And I was like, no, nah, it's just like, yeah, I mean, they go up your nose. It's a little weird. It's uncomfortable. 
it's not as bad as like the 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 really deep test. I don't know if you've ever had that. If you have like a really bad nasal infection, sometimes it's just no. like they go into your brain. It's horrible. It's much it's much less bad than that. And so, you know, I was like, yeah, it's, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's nothing. You, you won't even notice it. And then, you know, I, I forget. I felt like an, at least like an hour or so passed. And I was like, yeah, so I told you it was nothing, right? And she's like, no, I'm still in line. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, right? It's that, that like, uh, I, it's, it's DC just hasn't been hit very hard the whole time we just haven't been. And um, I mean, part of the psychological aspect of it is I, I most of the people I knew that had it uh, just weren't in DC. I knew people that I don't know very well or, People I had never met, but were friends of friends, had gotten it in DC. But no one really in our like group had actually gotten it. Like maybe yeah, like one or two people that that were maybe slightly more distant group had gotten it. But it it didn't feel like it was really real. But it seems like maybe that's shifted a little bit now. Is that like the panic? More people are yeah because I someone? mean obviously well yeah we know one person yeah now. But I mean, do you think like that's more generally what's driving this sort of new thing or is it just the sort of the, the aggregate numbers in the news? Like what's driving this this new awareness of this situation? Well, it sort of, it sort of goes back to um, my infamous September Wisdom of Crowds post on the distortion of a virus where I was making the point that uh, we're seeing all this alarmism from the rest of the country, which is – it's accurate because – Cases are at an unprecedented level, but we're maybe looking at states like North Dakota and many other states that have very high numbers, and we're extrapolating that to mean that, oh, it must be worse where we are. We have to sort of be, we have to be in line with the national alarmism, even if it doesn't reflect what our local DC numbers are. That said, there is an increase in DC. Um, I mean, we're not that badly hit at this point. So let's see, um, November 16th. Hmm. We have gone up to about um, between 100 and 200 average daily new cases, which is higher than at any point since late May. So we're sort of we're sort of back in the May danger zone. Um, and that means that it's worse today than at any point in the last um, five months or so. So in that sense, I mean, it is getting worse in D.C., but the numbers are still relatively low. So we're talking about um, the daily the daily case number going from maybe around um, 50 to 75 to 100 to 200. So still relatively low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it, but the question is, like, how do you deal? Like, so... You know, we look at these numbers and they're out of context because, uh, you know, um, it's an 100% increase, give or take, but a 100% increase from very low numbers. It's hard to know how to assess that level of risk. Right. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. It's just, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess, you know, I've been, I feel like we've been, we've been dancing around it for 20 minutes and in, in a desire not to get sucked back into it. But it's like, it's 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 kind of like the 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 uh, how do you assess the risk of what's actually happening to the republic right now? Um, you know uh, the oh, argument. Yeah, that. Yeah, that thing. It's like, is it is it is it uh, you know this obvious clown show? Obviously, will have repercussions. Um, 
how do we how do we measure those things and you know what's the dynamic i don't know i've been i've been i've been getting in in uh swatting back uh you know uh accusations of 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 being far too cavalier uh from that last essay and other things that you know clearly clearly one side is a lot worse here and then like everything else needs to be excused but i still keep coming up with this sort of stuff where people are talking about like Oh, obviously, I don't mean re-education camps, but, you know, uh, something needs to be done about, you know, half of this country. And it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, again, I got it. It's, it's fair to say that we needn't necessarily overly dwell on that, but I, I can't help but feel that, that it's important to note how the whole thing is, is like going down the toilet, not, not, and without, without, without uh unduly therefore both sides both sides in the thing you know what i mean it's it's to to notice that that what trump is doing is also just completely twisting normal people in pretzels and the yeah the the uh the end result will be not just a republican party that is believes an election was stolen and feels justified in whatever the hell they get up to in the next two and a half years until midterms or whatever but uh, also, you know, a democratic party that feels that like half the country is like inhuman somehow or like zombies or, you know, yeah. a cult. So I don't know. How do you, how do you, how does well, one look, measure, I mean, how does one measure what's happening? So I'm not sure I have a lot to say, or although I could, I do have an idea for a rant that I can just test out with the crowd. Yeah, go ahead. And I actually tried to go, I went on, um, the wisdom of crowds, our um what's it called um our writing platform when we post things we use ghost yeah. um after we move from substack and i don't know if you noticed Demir, but i actually have a new post that i'm working on oh i didn't because i felt yeah. like a mm, good but i'm having trouble with it and it's not coming out naturally so maybe i'll give it another ch- a shot tomorrow and see if i can actually get it out you want to test but out some before verbal? i get into yeah, but before i get into that here's what i've been reduced to on twitter i'm just tweeting cryptic sentences that's what i've been doing the last couple days shoddy you've cut out again uh, wait shoddy shoddy the last thing you said before it cut out sorry bad internet was i've been reduced to tweeting cryptic sentences and then you cut out go ahead yeah so i can share those i mean it might be of interest to our listeners sure i, I mean can... do you want to do you want to share after you share you're going to tell us why you're uh, Tweeting cryptic sentences, or yeah, just- yeah, sure. I'll, I'll I'll add some context, but Go here, on. just so okay. So la- last night, here is what I tweeted, and in quotation marks, but I didn't say who the quote is from. Mm. So I I I'm leaving a lot up to the reader to make their own decisions about whether or not they want to find out where this is from. Yeah. Okay, quote unquote. The worst have lost their fear, and the best have lost their hope. Mm. Powerful. Okay. Next. Little do they know that they meet under an empty sky from which the gods have departed. Mm-hmm. Again, no author, no no attribution. With quotation marks, or you just are you with quotation marks? Okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> no quotation marks. Okay, okay, but without any kind of context. Yeah, I was going to say there's a Twitter there's a Twitter account called Russia No Context, which is just like. Really weird shit that happens in Russia, and they just like put it up. Oh, and, that could be cool. Yeah, so this is like shoddy no I context. Would like that. Go on. Yeah. Okay. Next one. 
Reason can enlighten us as to our ethical conflicts. Often it shows them to be deeper than we thought and leaves us in the lurch as to how to resolve them. Hmm. No context. Next. Hmm. The history of things that didn't happen has never been written. Mm-hmm. Good. Those are the four cryptic tweets that I offered up to the world over the past 24 hours. Do you know who those quotes are from by any chance? I, I don't. I don't. A Twitter quartet, though. Yes. Go on. So the first is from Hannah Arendt. Okay. The second is from Hans Morgenthau. Okay. The third is from the philosopher John Gray. Yes. And the fourth is from Neil Ferguson. Hmm. Good. And why are you doing this? <laughs> um, and even someone commented on Twitter, like, Shadi, when did you start tweeting these cryptic things? In this confusing manner. Yeah. And I was like, uh, yesterday? Yeah. And, and? I mean, that's the only, I mean, that's the answer. That is the answer. But I mean, so are you getting good engagement? Lots of retweets of, of cryptic? People are into it. Really? And people are reading into it. Like someone was like, um, it's, it was actually kind of funny what he said. Um, okay, here we go. He saw it as a warning. He, he saw, he saw my Hunter Arendt tweet and this is what he said. He says, when Shadi Hamid serves up Hannah Arendt in a dark mood, then you best pay attention. Yeah. So he's like getting worried. He's like, shit, Shadi is offering up Hannah Arendt tweets late on a Thursday night. This can only mean bad things. Yeah. Yeah. And why are you doing this? <laughs> Um, Are you just rendered I speechless that, by what's happening? So you're just reaching for quotes? To- no, so, so honestly, part of it, I don't really have anything to say in particular about what's going on this week. But what I can offer is a sort of mood signifier that people at least know, like, okay, here are the quotes that are resonating with me. And then he, the only substantive thing I tweeted today it was just this. This was cryptic, but it's from me. It's not a quote from someone else. This is all I said. Autocryptic. I s- Autocryptic. I said, I suppose it was inevitable. That's it. Yeah, back. Oh, you went away for a while. I did. I did. I had to restart the whole thing. All right. So the last thing I heard was, I suppose it was inevitable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, Yeah. That's the last thing I heard is, I suppose it was inevitable, then silence. Really? That's honestly the last thing you heard? That is. That's very dark and depressing. Yeah, yeah, it is. All of this is dark and depressing. Well, that's what I... Hold on, you just, I lost you again for a good chunk. So many problems. Wait, what? So many problems, I said. Did you, is that the end of a sentence or a continuation of something that you were saying at because you no, disappeared. I disappeared for a long time. I just had to restart the whole thing again. <laughs> this is the world we live oh, in. Oh, man. Basically, the Republic's falling Worst apart. Worst episode ever. The Republic's falling apart. COVID is eating the world ahead of the, the thing, and, and communication's becoming impossible. Horrible. What is the point of all this? I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, but did you catch, like, what the reason is for me saying I suppose it was inevitable? No, that's – it kept cutting off, and it might cut off again because maybe I'll, I'm destined to never know. <laughs> Every time. Every time okay, you're about to explain. So, yeah, so um, people – smart – a couple smart people did figure out what I was referring to, 
but it's hard because it could be referring to a number of things. However, I did say I, I suppose it was inevitable a couple of weeks ago. So if people were paying attention, they'll realize that I've said it twice in similar circumstances. So two weeks ago, I said it for the first time without any additional context. And that was when? Uh, two weeks ago was what? Did the elections happen then? When Something after the election. Hmm, what happened after the election? Or maybe right before, but it was when Matt Iglesias announced that he was leaving Vox. Oh, I see. So it was it was right after Ezra left? You, you, uh... So whenever a senior Vox staffer leaves Vox, I think that my thing is that I tweet, I suppose it was inevitable. Hmm. Interesting. Is it inevitable that 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 this media fragmentation is happening? Yeah, I think it's inevitable that I mean Matt Iglesias kind of had to leave. I mean, it was only a matter of time. But it seems like, at least, I wasn't paying very close attention today. But like Ezra's just moving on to the New York Times. It's not. The yeah, same it's thing. apparently so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't inevitable. Yeah. I mean, it's if perhaps it's inevitable that like the New York Times will become our our sole uh, organ of right think. That's possible. No, but I think there's also a sense that like there's only so much you can do with Vox and Ezra found himself in a difficult situation. Anyway, we don't have to go into all that. But maybe more but maybe more interestingly, I can just do my rant. Yeah, please. I mean, that's what I, that's what we came here for. Your rant that you're going to try out here and then maybe write up later, is that the idea? Okay, yeah, let me get my get my notes and make sure I'm saying it the right way. There's a lot of pressure on me. I, I thought that your 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 scribbles aren't yet coming together. Why don't you just try and, and, and ad lib it? Maybe it'll improve your scribbles. What's a rant okay. if it's not ad libbed? Come on now. Okay, fine. If you insist, yes, Demir. I do. Fine. Okay, let me get my bearings. Let me just get let me get angry right now. Okay. Yeah. So my my position basically has been that Democrats should be magnanimous in victory. Yeah. That. That um, someone has to stop this symmetric polarization or this endless mirroring of each other's worst instincts. At some point, someone has to decide to stop doing that. Otherwise, we'll quite literally be doing it forever or for many years to come. And that means that one side has to take some responsibility here. And we only have two major parties. So... It's one or the other. And unfortunately, as we found out, the Republican Party seems to be beyond repair. And for the first time, I'm wondering if I should um, shift my position. And can I really sustain this notion that Democrats should take the quote unquote high ground and depolarize unilaterally? Is it really fair to ask one party, my party, to depolarize unilaterally? Um, and be magnanimous. And so for the first time, I think as, as, as our listeners will know, and as you will know, Demir, for several months now, I've been trying to resist the urge to, um, to further polarize things. And I've, I've argued that we should, um, assume good faith on the part of at least some Trump supporters and that the GOP is not beyond repair, that the GOP is not evil, the GOP is not uniquely bad, and that the other 70 million, the other 70 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump have to be brought into the system. They have to feel like they have a place in this new America that we're apparently trying to build. And for the first time, I'm doubting 
that position, and I'm wondering if maybe I'm wrong. But what's the what's the alternative? I mean, I, I I'm glad that you're getting there because then I can have a reasoned discussion with you because I don't I don't think there's anyone else out there in Twitter land that I can have this discussion with. But what does it mean to 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 you know, uh, whatever uh, engage in this combat specifically? Well. I think the bigger thing is I'm feeling more partisan. I'm feeling a little bit more conventional. And even a couple of people have noticed it on Twitter where they joked or maybe they weren't joking where they said, oh, look, Shadi is deciding to um, become more conventional again. After all this contrarian stuff during the Trump era, he's already shifting leftward and he's going to like be a little bit more boring and all that. And maybe that's kind of what I want because – I want to be more boring so I can focus on my book. However, out of obligation and duty to the listeners of Wisdom of Crowds and to our dear members, I feel like I I have to stay strong and I have to stay at least somewhat contrarian because otherwise, what would be the point of this whole endeavor? Can you imagine me becoming kind of normie in my ideas and saying like normal, boring things? God forbid. Well, I mean, look, I, 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 uh, so, so. A long time ago, I bought a a domain. I I still think I have it because I think I've I've sort of dutifully uh, repurchased it over the years. It doesn't cost much, but like, and I had a blog that I ran like way 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 back when. It was called New Contrarian. That was it. I had like NewContrarian.com. Hmm. I have it. Um, and um, I don't like the content's gone. I've I've deleted. It. I don't think I've even saved it anywhere else. It's maybe in the Wayback Machine somewhere. People want to dig it out, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't think that 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 wisdom of crowds is 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 the new contrarian in any case. Why do you, why why are you saying that? I mean, the 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 whole point is, at least from from where I'm sitting, is that that we sort of like work through this. So I don't know. Walk me through it. What is this? What is this? I mean, I'm kind of joking. I mean, of course. Look, my goal is not to be contrarian. My goal is to be right and to be true to my own beliefs. And if that means that I'm going to adopt somewhat more conventional positions on a particular issue, so be it. I mean, you know that I've never liked the label contrarian. Right. And it actually bothers me when anyone um, attacks me in those terms, or even if it's friendly, like sometimes friends, sometimes even you have referred to me privately as a contrarian. <laughs> and I'm like, Demir, I, I mean, that's not how I see myself. Right. Because contrarian suggests some kind of um, knee-jerk response to whatever the conventional wisdom is. And I don't really see myself as doing precisely that. It happens to be the case that I take on contrarian positions, but I would like to think that it's not merely a reaction because I, I, I don't want to be a reactionary. I don't want to define myself in opposition to the crowd. And this has been a long time tension and struggle. And we've talked about it quite explicitly to what extent do we come to be defined by what we oppose? I don't want to. I don't want to fall into that trap. And maybe sometimes I've gone too far in that direction. But 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 again, then then walk me through then the the rationale here for um. Well, it's fine. Okay, you want to you want to you want to rejoin the team. I was making fun of you on Twitter on this. It's like yeah, Trump's over. Shadi's going back to. You know, yeah. the comfortable, the, the warm <laughs> confines of his, of his mother party, the bosom of the left or whatever the hell you want to. But like, I, I, uh, I, I still, I mean, walk me through this because this is one of those things that I don't have a good answer to, uh, is, um, 
And it's part of that reason why, like, I, I, I sort of watching this as sort of like a, a horrific car crash, like happening in slow motion. And again, sure, Trump's at the wheel. He's driving. But like, I feel like everyone else is also grasping at the wheel and just like twisting it and making the car like careen even worse is what it feels like to me. Um, I don't know. Uh, Damon Linker, I think, wrote a, a, a really good column just sort of building on on stuff that like Aaron and I have also written, you know, and, and I think, again, pointing how how we're all in this in this together and sort of driving off a cliff. So, again, now tell me tell me again, what do you what what is this apart from just like a, a feeling of self-satisfaction? What do you, what do you mean about no, being more partisan? I don't partisan feel about self-satisfied. Okay. I don't well, feel then, self-satisfied well, at all, actually. What about comfortable? I mean, you're saying you're coming back to some sort of the comfort in a boring opinion or something like that. Because I want to be bored, but like, but more specifically on this point, here's what I'll say. And this is where I think my, I, tr- I would like to think that my principles are somewhat coherent and perhaps even consistent. I only have one non-negotiable in politics, but maybe I have more than one, like not killing people, but putting aside the obvious ones, I only have one potentially controversial non-negotiable. Yeah. And that is the sanctity of democratic outcomes. Right. And now Republicans are violating that sanctity, and certainly Donald Trump is violating my only non-negotiable, and I can't forgive that. Yep. So that requires me to shift my position and to be angry and perhaps even very angry at the Republican Party. I can't let them I can't I can't talk about this as if it's business as usual, because this is what our democracy is founded on and they are undermining it day in and day out. And I'm angry about that. And I and, you know, the last four years. I've been taking Democrats to task and for what I consider to be an active effort to delegitimize our legitimately elected president, however terrible he was. And that wasn't, that was something I couldn't forgive when Democrats were doing it. And I don't know if there was anything that I was more consistent and dogged on than that, because I think it's really, really important. And in some ways, Democrats contributed to this new standard. And I think that you see some Republicans now saying, oh, well, Trump is returning the favor or Republicans are just doing what Democrats did after Trump was elected in 2016, trying to undo the result, bringing up the Electoral College, um, using Russiagate to delegitimize um, the presidency and to cast a, sh- a shadow on the entire four years of Donald Trump's tenure, so on and so forth. So, but it's kind of like weird. So wait, are you suggesting that two wrongs make a right? So the thing that you were so angry about that Democrats were doing in 2017 and 2018 until almost like 2020, you think that now it's okay to do that now that you're in the position to, I mean, it just doesn't make it back again. Yeah. Demir, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. So the maybe last this thing, wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I know. The last thing I heard though, and maybe we can wrap this up on this because we're, we're coming up and these technical difficulties are just a horrific pain in the butt. But, uh, I do think there's some good stuff here. The last thing I heard was basically, uh, you know, your argument that, um, What's it called? That the Republicans uh, are arguing in, in deeply bad faith, like two wrongs don't make a right on this stuff. And it's yeah. it's, it's completely preposterous. I absolutely agree. Um, I guess I guess and maybe 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 where, what I'm 
wrong to be sort of fixating on this is is still the long game rather than the immediate game on this. Um, and I, you know, perhaps that's just like constant the constant weakness of how I approach these things is is thinking about about uh, you know where does this all lead, um, and maybe we just need to be thinking about the current moment. I I guess the reason I'm torn about thinking about the current moment is that. I am still convinced that there's no way it's going to succeed. And therefore, it behooves us to think beyond it still. Um, does that bias me in some way to then, like, again, implicitly somehow uh, give Republicans a pass on this? I don't think so, um, because I don't think I'm going to be giving a pass to uh, if somehow the Republicans manage to pull out a a Senate win on this and then become obstructionist and are, are leveraging, um, you know, uh, delegitimizing narratives throughout the whole thing, um, claiming that their obstruction is, uh, justified because Biden's not a real president. I don't think I'll be, I'll be providing cover for that kind of bullshit because I think that's really toxic. I mean, at least as toxic as what Trump is doing in his clown ass sort of way. But still, I, I, I can't help but think that the, the intellectually interesting and serious thing is thinking beyond this moment because uh, I guess I'm still convinced that this isn't going to amount to anything. I, I don't know exactly what the end game for this is, and maybe it's uglier than I'm I'm uh, envisioning. Maybe you know Mitch McConnell is now is is getting himself into a corner that he's not going to be able to back down from, and got I, I i don't know maybe maybe we're heading to like an actual real crisis on some level but i'm i guess my my feeling is that that we're not heading to that kind of crisis it's going to somehow um back itself out because every challenge is going to get smacked down and uh you know all these sorts of uh bizarre attempts to get legislatures to overturn the results are just not going to work um and then we're going to be in, in some sort of new reality that we're going to have to navigate on this. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's right what you're saying is that we need to get back to sort of just, you know, being angry on like daily partisan uh, level rather than thinking past this and thinking about like the broader health of the system. And it's time to just sort of uh, get down to brass tacks and the, Im- the immediate political moment and what it demands of us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In my weaker moments, I think to myself, maybe we have to pum- pummel the Republican Party. In, into submission. And what does that mean, though? Like, right? uh, That's my question to you. What does that mean? And what do you, and and how and how does one do that? Does that does one do that by again? Uh, question to you by uh, well, again in a, in a democratic way. What does that mean? The other, it's still the lesson. The lesson holds, and the lesson that I I'm still kind of pleased with, even though it's it's playing out in a horrific sort of way, which is that the country. Uh, for better or worse, didn't repudiate the last four years, uh, even though Biden won. It's it's very much not has not been a a verdict that democracy, whatever it is, has spoken. If that's a metaphor that makes any sense and has repudiated what has happened. So what do we do with that? What does it mean to pummel? Um, hmm. Well, I I think that. Um, a liberal use of executive orders to push through democratic priorities. Um, 
and and I suppose stuff that I, I I'm not even comfortable really bringing up because it goes against so much of what I believe and it shows that in my weaker moments I'm tempted by what so many are tempted by this idea of you know shutting people out of government of ensuring that Trump appointees pay a price and holding them accountable in a way like I mean Obviously, I'm not talking here about like lustration in, in the sense of um, getting rid of the old regime and um, and that kind of truth and accountability and reconciliation commission type stuff. But this idea of exacting a price on people who were complicit in the violation of the sanctity of democratic outcomes now and we can debate what that would actually mean. But it shows that if I am if I am pushed to be more open to these um, admittedly polarizing ideas, I can only imagine what run-of-the-mill Democratic partisans must be thinking now. And they are thinking these things because we see them saying it on Twitter, these ideas of deprogramming 75 million Americans. So that's the extreme version of it. And it, it's so it's so contrary to everything that I stand for to think of my fellow Americans in that way. So for me to even be be, you know, tiptoeing around some of these ideas, it shows that we've gotten to a dark place. And I, and I feel like I'm weaker. I mean, that's not, it's, it doesn't reflect well on me that I am entertaining this approach to politics that is more aggressive, more exclusionary, more uncompromising. The use of raw power to advance democratic ends. I mean, I toyed, I toyed with that idea in one of my previous first draft essays for Wisdom of Crowds. Um, you might, you know, um, no apologies for raw power or whatever that was called. Yeah. But now, but I'm moving more in that direction, perhaps. Yeah. Look, I mean, it's, it's, it's just worth pointing out that that logic just means that the country's over in a lot of ways. Um, you know, Does it? Doesn't it? Um, because, because, you know, I, I, I think the very idea of deprogramming, um, I just, it doesn't work. It makes no sense. I just I think it's, it's like, it's incoherent. Um, and the, it's bad. It's immoral. It's terrible. All that. So putting that aside for a second, because that's like the extreme version of this, the more moderate version of this is to try to promote the development of a new Republican Party. I don't know how you do that. And I guess Republicans have to be part of that process, too. But I guess the question is, is, the, is this current version of the Republican Party, is it salvageable? Or if you have a party that refuses to concede after an election defeat, it means they don't buy into the rules of the game. They don't accept the democratic process. I mean, that's one reading, right? Sure. Can we live with a party that doesn't believe in small d democracy? Can we live means the country's over. The question answers itself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. And this is why I guess I, I, I keep sort of fixating on this is that um, I, I think that, that asking that sort of question, it's fine to be honest and say that that's what's on your mind and that's the questions you're asking. But uh, I think it's also important to to recognize, you know, what exactly what exactly we're saying. Look, I mean, 
it's almost it's almost up time, and you and I actually have another call that we have to get on right now with actually our friend uh, Osita Wanevu. But I don't know if you read his his review of no, Obama's I didn't. Is it book. good? It's, it's good. I mean, Osita's I think one of the the smartest uh, young writers on the left for sure, like by by a long shot. Yeah, and he yeah. he um, he actually you know writes in this essay uh, talks about the fact that you know as someone who came up with the sort of um, inspired by Obama, like his sort of political, you know, uh, his sort of first political uh, moment in understanding of politics was Obama. And then basically eight years of Obama and then being faced with his rhetoric again, sees just like how hollow and nothing it is. And Osita's, you know, properly a lefty having written an essay about how the constitution should be abolished and whatever. But it's interesting, you know, he's, he's toying with it here. He says, it's like, he says, we're not, well, I don't have the essay in front of me and I, and I read it to, well, whenever it was, but it, it's, it's, uh, um, he says, you know, in many ways, you know, we're not on the, on the one hand on the verge of a civil war, but he says on the, on the other hand, there's a kind of polarization, a kind of logic that's, that's, that we're not, we're not as far from it as, as it might seem. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's fine to, to say that, uh, you know, uh, what do we do with this party that doesn't respect democratic norms and, and, and the rest of this, but at the same time, uh, it is important to recognize that any solution to that, um, well, I don't know. I, I think it just points to that the whole thing's broken. Like if, if half the country or even like, you know, a third of the country is, is that rejectionist, you've got a problem. You've got more than a problem. You've got a problem that's beyond solution, it seems like to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot more to say and maybe we can actually dive into – what the implications are if you have half of the country or a quarter of a country being outright rejectionist. I think it's worth playing out because there's a debate to be had. Like how much is that, does that actually matter in practice? I mean, it's one thing for someone on the street to say, I voted for Trump and I think the election was fraudulent, but then they go about their daily life and they kind of live with a Biden administration. They're not that angry. They have some weird conspiracy theories, but life goes on. Yeah. I mean, or that it, if you have all these people who believe in these conspiracy theories about fraud, that that actually means something in practice that it really undermines our politics in a tangible way. And I think I'm on the fence on that. And I, I can, I can be open to both, both responses and maybe this will help me actually write the piece out and maybe we can talk about it when it's more fully formed, because I think you've, you've made me think here because, you know, if, what I'm, what I just offered up there in, in my own tentative way does lead up to a dead end. Yeah. And I, and I think that one thing that we've always believed in here on the podcast is that arguments that lead to dead ends, even if they are in some sense correct, are not great arguments. Agree. Agree. There can't, we, yeah. So even if I'm right on the merits that this is what should be done to the Republican Party, it doesn't mean that like should that should in an ideal world. We don't live in an ideal world and we have to think about a way out. Yeah. 
All right, Shadi. I guess this is as good a place as any to stop this glitchy podcast we just did here. But uh, I'll try and should we hype up a bonus episode, or we we shouldn't do that because of the tech issues? Well, look at. I mean, um, after we have our call with Osita and stuff. Well, we're gonna have our call with Osita. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I think we'll, we'll definitely record a, a bonus episode. Um, I'm just not sure that, given the the tech issues, we should do it tonight. I'm gonna be in the you know the non quarantine yeah. part of the house and closer to the internet. Starting on Sunday, so you know, at, upon your well, availability, okay, well, we I can just, record something. Well, I just want to have a chance to hype up. So, if we are recording a bonus episode, it gives me an opportunity to play my marketing role and to say to our dear listeners that if you do want to hear the bonus episode whenever we get a chance to record it, there's really one way to do that, and that means that you go to wisdomofcrowds.live/slash/subscribe, and you become a member by paying five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year. And I think it's time to become a member. I think you guys should become members. I think so, too. All right, Shadi. <laughs> okay. Really good catching up uh, across the Atlantic, glitchy as it was. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, talk to you in three minutes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, right, later. Bye-bye. Bye.